And welcome to the Nerdy Agent Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Pedersen, with my one brother and fellow nerd, Josh. AJ is not here today because he worked out yesterday morning and then got a 105 degree that fever. That sounded you really that? bad. I, did, I didn't know it was me that bad. AJ was, doesn't get sick either. He, he, he's been sick for two weeks. I know. Last it's like week. me last year. I got sick the whole winter, and now he's Man, the one sick all winter. Maybe you should go to the doctor. Uh, we'll see. And just hopefully, hopefully we'll have him back next week. But today we're just going to run over the most recent Fed meeting and the stats that came with it. Essentially, the CPI, the PPI, uh, where the interest rates have been headed, what the unemployment numbers look like, and what the Fed is saying, so you can have an idea on how that's going to affect you moving forward into 2024. And we're going to do this every month from now on, which is going to be really nice because then we'll just kind of continue to refresh this one every month. I know we feel like we were doing it a little ad hoc, but on a consistent basis, the week after the Fed is reporting this stuff, we're going to meet and just we're going to make sure this is the topic of conversation. It's going to be one of the most important things to follow in 2024 because obviously interest rates have been a hot button topic. And as they move, um, as they go down, maybe go up a little bit and come back down, there's a lot of things you can do, whether it's helping you, your lenders reach out to your clients who maybe are able to get some refinance opportunities. I know I'm already chatting with my guy about potential no cost refinances just to bake it into the rate and say, well, if you drop it 100, 200 bucks on the refine, don't pay anything for it. You're saving money. Follow there. it down. Exactly. Um, so to start, can you just run through the CPI? And for those who don't know this, the consumer price index. So it's essentially the cost of goods in the marketplace and what they've looked like over the last month and year. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm sure everyone listening, uh, if you're listening to this, you're likely aware that we did see a decrease in rates um, over the last week. Well, it'd be about two weeks by the time weeks. this is released. Um, but it didn't necessarily correspond with the CPI. The CPI came right in expe- at expectations, so it came in at 3.1. Usually when the CPI comes in favorable is when the rates start to drop, um, but that wasn't really what drove it this last week. Um, core CPI was at 4% year over year. If you, that's the one that excludes food and energy because they're just a little more volatile, specifically energy. Um, both are still above the Fed rate of 2% that they're aiming to get us down to, um, but uh, there was some other news associated with these things that kind of came out just after the CPI was reported that kind of helped us with the rate front, but I won't spoil that one for you. What about the PPI? PPI was... Which is the producer price index. It's essentially the cost of manufacturing the goods. Yeah. So just the refresher, because everyone probably knows these things that's been listening, but the CPI is what the inflation rate of what you're producing things at, or what you're buying things at the store is. Um, How much more does it cost this year versus last year for that basket of goods? The PPI is how much the producers on the front end are paying for the raw materials. So assuming that the raw material costs are in line, you're going to likely see that trigger uh, or trickle forward into CPI numbers in the future. So PPI is a leading indicator. When this is low, that usually means that CPI is going to be lower into in the, the future. future. If this is high, it likely means CPI is going to be higher into the future. Um, and I don't think there's like a direct, it's going to be this many months into the future. It's just a leading indicator into the... Yeah. And it's not necessarily 100% correlated, but if the cost to produce something goes up, that cost is likely going to be passed forward and the result is going to correct. be higher prices at the stores. But these these companies also have other uh, factors, like if their salaries increase as exactly. well, then their margins change and then yeah. and competition, et cetera. Exactly. But the PPI came in two and a half. So that one's lower than the CPI is right now. It's closer to the 2% inflation goal. Um, we are starting to see more of these reports on an ongoing basis come in closer to the targets that we've wanted to set here. And like we've said a lot in the past, 
keep in mind that as they try to get closer, this is AJ's favorite line during CPI and PPI, that as they try and get closer and closer to the 2%, it's a year-over-year number, right? So as we get into 2024, all of the inflation numbers from 2023 were higher than 2022, so Mm -hmm. it's going to be easier to get to the 2% inflation number because you're already working off of what was considered a higher inflation number um the next and, one and all of the actions that have been taken to try to drive down inflation take a while to truly manifest so it might be you know right now numbers are at three but they believe that because of what they've done we're going to continue to see that number trickle down or we're going to see it go up as a you know depending upon how these things go unemployment's been a big one for um the fed because more people that have jobs, the more money that's circulating in the economy, more money that's circulating, the higher the inflation numbers typically look. What did those come at in December? Yeah, unemployment's funny because it's a it's a double-edged sword, right? So when unemployment numbers go down or when wages start to go up, then there are some times where the market will react unfavorably because the belief is inflation will creep and then the Fed will get more tight because there's just money circulating in the economy. At the same time, it's good news that unemployment is low. It means the economy is strong even after the Fed has hit it as hard as they have. So if we can start to get CPI numbers that normalize, keep unemployment low, uh, keep wage growth looking strong, you can kind of have what they've talked about, which is when you hear the word soft landing, that's what they're trying to accomplish, right? They're trying to get inflation under control while maintaining a solid economy. Right now, what more people looking at it are saying is, it looks like we're potentially going to achieve that in a way that they didn't think we could achieve that six to 12 months ago without going into a larger recession because we have continued to see unemployment come down. So anything under 5% is considered full employment um, in our marketplace. It was 3.7 in December, that which is down from 3.9 in November. So we've continued to see even lower unemployment numbers in the marketplace than previously reported um, and below that full employment. So Employment continues to be really strong. Wage growth continues to creep up, which is all good news for the economy. Um, And if CPI can continue to come down closer to two, and even if they don't hit exactly two, but they keep it closer to two with the strong employment and economic factors, I think the Fed's going to feel pretty good about where the economy is at more broadly. That's about exactly what they were trying to do when they set out with these rate hikes. Uh, what twelve months ago when they yeah I think they'd be the happy if I'd be happier if the CPI was creeping down closer to two but even, yeah. maybe even then they may be nervous because it might continue to go down and get too they might have hit it too and hard they don't want that yeah. either um, so then essentially what happens is these these indexes come out then the Fed meets and they look at all these stats they look at these reports and they go well what are we going to do in the next are we going to raise that overnight rate are we going to decrease that overnight rate are we going to remain steady in their last meeting which was last week which mm-hmm. is two weeks from when this will be released um, they just decided they were going to remain steady um, based on the fact that they don't want to hit it too hard, like yep. you had said, and yep. raise that rate too high and stop the flow of money too much. Um, but they're not yet ready to essentially ramp the economy back up as much as some people maybe would like them to. Um, and they have kind of indicated, a lot of analysts are saying in 2024 that they're going to, that the Fed's going to start then cutting the overnight rate. Yep. Jerome Powell basically says, we haven't decided anything until our next meeting because he doesn't want to to get too bullish typically. Yep. But it sounds like in January, we're probably leaning towards another continuing just steady, don't cut it, don't raise it. I don't know. Yeah, he saying. he has been very conservative in his speak um, where he'll show numbers and then the kind of, and then everyone will react to the numbers and then he'll go and talk and then everyone will almost inversely react to his speeches because he always kind of hits it with some cold water. Um, I would say this last 
time he spoke was the most optimistic he's been about that they think they may have achieved more of what they wanted to achieve. Um, he used some words that gave a lot of people hope in the market that the rate cuts were going to be coming in 2024. So I think there's a lot more optimism that we're going to see the overnight rate cut in the earlier part of 2024 that we might not have expected in the past. So when that happened, we saw the 10-year treasury yield trickle down. So people started um, essentially selling off their bonds and it did result in um, a pretty heavy decline in the 10-year treasury yield, which is the one that's most closely correlated to the 30-year mortgage rates. So in a span of two days, we saw rates drop about, what, 40, 45 basis points um, very, very quickly. Like it was 20 plus basis points, then 20 plus basis points on back-to-back days. In a span of a month, we saw them go from eight. Yeah, they they're down 140 over. basis points yeah. now in a span of a month. Mm-hmm. But the the hit in those two days was probably the biggest hit we've seen in recent memory on the, on the drop in interest rates, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, that's directly tied to the belief that most people now have, which is that the Fed is going to be more open to reductions in the overnight rate in 2024, which should continue to build positive momentum for 30-year mortgages. Typically what happens for those who don't know, the market, the secondary market isn't going, oh, the Fed met on December 13th and said they're holding the rate steady. Now we're going to make decisions based on the fact they said that they're all making future thinking predictions on what the Fed has said, mm-hmm. what the numbers look like. And they're trying to bake in out, you know, three to six months of where their rates are, where their margins are. And so when the Fed says they're going to stop increasing, which I don't, they didn't increase last month as well when they met or did they hike, hike last month? No, they've the been holding, time. they've been holding. holding for a few. Now that they're saying that and they're saying, well, it looks like they're going to cut. That's why you see that happen because they're already baking in the fact that they think the Fed is going to cut. Exactly. Yeah. The, the market, I mean, the stock market, everything is based off of expectations, right? Mm-hmm. So if expectations change, then the pricing of those assets will change as well. So the bond market, you own a bond. And if you think that the overnight rate is going to come down, you know, the valuation of that bond is going to come down. And so therefore you're trying to sell off those bonds in order to adjust for the change. So there's a lot. I mean, we talked to our financial advisor. We mentioned him a lot on this podcast, but his belief was pretty strong that the second the Fed really gave a strong indication that they were going to cut and potentially start going down, um, that's when you're going to start to see an impact to the 10-year treasury. And it happened very, very quickly the second that they kind of said, hey, we might be decreasing this. Everyone's like, oh, shoot, we got to sell out of these bonds. He always tends to be right. I think I'm trying, we should go back to that podcast and listen to it. I want to say he said that he thought that by Q2 or Q3 that they would be six to six and a half. He said five and a half. And I I disagreed with him on that, but it's... It's um, trending in that direction at the moment. Yeah, I think... As an agent, though, right, this is all good things to know. So make sure you kind of digest what we just said. You have these numbers available. You can communicate them to your clients. The thing to be cautious of is giving too strong of a prognostication of where you think things are going in the future. What I've said to most of my clients this week, and by the time this is released, it might be a little bit too late for this, is twofold. One, in our local market, we have typically seen, uh, specifically within the first-time homebuyer price point ranges, that January 1st becomes a date where a lot of people start coming back out. Because if you're a renter right now and your lease is up, it's usually a summer lease because that's when you graduated from college and you stay in that cycle. So you're kind of trying to get ahead of the home buying process because you know it takes a few months, but you don't want to pay double payments. So come January 1st, you're always like, okay, I'll get back out there now. So we do see an influx of buyers already in January, regardless of the rate environment. We have poor inventory pretty much everywhere. 
but now we have positive news on rates and positive momentum going into the future on rates. So that's going to probably exacerbate the buyer situation and result in more buyers entering the pool in January as well. Not to mention that it's, and you can finish, but not to mention that it is good to know and understand that historically, lenders and real estate agents, if you're on social media anywhere, love to try to create fear of missing out amongst their clients. And so when that happens on a mass scale and everybody's going, the rates are going down, it's going to be super competitive. Even though you're not doing that with your clients, which we don't suggest doing that, we suggest being more straightforward and logical, that's going to create buyers entering the market because they're worried about FOMO. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the more the messaging suggests that things are going to be crazy, then you're getting in there. Exactly. Um, I tell people my job is largely to find these pockets of arbitrage within the marketplace. Arbitrage, for those who don't know it, is like buying something with a lower risk or a risk-free reality. Um, So... You know, it, it's right now. It's kind of an opportunity to to make take advantage of that because the reality is that the marketplace right now, for the next two weeks, is going to be slow because you have holidays here and you have winter and you're not quite ready to get back out for that January first time frame. But the rates have already started coming down, so you can buy into a house at a lower rate right now in a less competitive environment than you're likely going to see in the spring. Mm-hmm. So it may be a good time if you're like, hey, I've been looking, but I kind of push pause and I want to just go away for the holidays. Just come out and shop for one week and see if you like anything. And if you do, it's a good opportunity, a pocket of arbitrage to kind of pick and choose your house um, to to buy the right one. So that's the reason why I'm I'm talking about messaging. Um, It has been something that I have actually messaged to a lot of my clients. And I try to say that not because I'm trying to sell them on anything, but because I'm trying to find them an opportunity to make some money in the short term and to get in before what I anticipate will be a busier January timeframe. And and you might have, depending on how close you're following this, you might have clients that got pre-approved with the lender in September and mm-hmm. it was seven, seven, five or eight. I mean, I had someone yeah. lock at those numbers um, and now they might be six, seven, five. I mean, some of those might've been seven and a half and they're home ready, home possible, first time home buyer loans. Those are seven or six, three, seven, five. Now we're talking about a yep. whole interest, a point. So not only then if they didn't know that, could they get out there and maybe have a lower payment, but if they're looking at 350 and they haven't seen anything in 350, you might be able to get something under contract at 390 that would have been the same payment because of yep. the interest rate. Um, and now they just got like the house. They couldn't imagine they wouldn't be able to get this nice of a house because of where they were looking initially. Yep. The other thing that's important, and Luke mentioned this already, but think about know your clients and roughly where they locked in. So I don't track this on a spreadsheet like their interest rates, but I could probably do Lender, that. Or lenders. lenders should be doing it and the lenders should be communicating that. But like the more you can add this value to your clients, say if you bought eight months ago, nine months ago, and your rate was seven and a half or seven seventy five, just mention like, hey, you know, rates have kind of crept down. Make sure you connect with your lender to see if it makes sense for you to evaluate something. Even a no cost refi at this point could be an option for you. Start the conversation, make sure they're seeing that value. The answer might still be it doesn't make sense once they talk to the lender. But if you bring that up to them, you're going to sound like you're on top of their situation and the marketplace in a way that other agents aren't doing that. And I don't think I can overemphasize enough that if you were to call a client and say, hey, your rate was seven and a half, you could probably no cost refi right now at 7%. That's going to save you roughly $100, $200 a month on your mortgage payment. And you're not getting paid anything. Yep. To do that, you're just providing a better service and being a better real estate agent. Your business is going to do very well if you give things away that 
are free just because you want to be good at your job. Exactly. And it's going to pay back on the back end. That's all we have this week on the Nerdy Agent Podcast. We will see you next week, hopefully with the third nerd, AJ. Happy holidays. And, oh, and, oh, and remember, as always, I almost forgot, be better. <laughs>